Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. When I was about nine years old, this would have been in the early 90s, my family and I lived in a house with a a fairly big wooded area behind our backyard. I say fairly big because, well, it wasn't big enough that you could really get lost in it for very long, but it was big enough that you could walk into it for a good 20 minutes before making it to the center. It got pretty thick in some areas too, and you couldn't see any of the houses from the neighborhoods once inside. To my friends and I, it was a magical world. We played in those woods all summer long. My mum would let us go in there as long as we were back by sundown too. Like I said, this was the early 90s and times were a little different then. My best friend would come over and we would just run out there and play for hours. We played hide and seek, army, Star Wars and anything that we could think of. But our very favourite thing to do was to climb trees. We had a favorite tree to climb as well. It was a huge pine out towards the middle of the woods. The branches at the bottom were low enough that we could grab on and pull ourselves up. And the branches leading up were all very strong and we could climb really high and see a view from above most of the other trees. Sometimes too, when I got bored at home, I would go out there by myself. I'd climb real high in that tree and just think about stuff. I loved being way up there. It was really peaceful and calm. One Sunday, though, I decided to go out on a solo mission in the evening. I knew that I didn't have long before dark, so I hurried into the woods to get a a good climb in. I was up in my spot in no time, and I remember it was late summer and the weather was still warm late in the evening. I wanted to be able to see a little bit of the sunset, I think, and then I would climb down and hurry home. 
I just sat up there and daydreamed as I waited for the sun to begin to set. But then I heard a twig snap on the ground and I looked straight down and saw a, a man standing at the base of the tree looking up at me. I remember that he was wearing a filthy brown jacket and he had a patchy beard. His hair was sticking up at random places, looking like he had relentlessly run his fingers through it. And he was just sort of staring at me with a bizarre expression that seemed to be one of sort of wonder and delight. It was an extremely unnerving look, almost a look of someone that had just realized that they stumbled across the gold of the end of a rainbow. That's the only way that I can describe it, but instantly it made my blood run cold. I went completely numb, like I'd been injected into my veins. I don't know how long he had been watching me before I noticed him too, but thinking about that still makes me shiver. We just sort of stared at each other for a moment, I think. He didn't say anything, and neither did I. It sounds strange, I know, but I didn't want to scream or tell him to go away because I had this feeling that told me not to provoke him in any way. But after a few minutes, he spoke. Are you coming down anytime soon? I shook my head back and forth. I didn't know what to say to him. It was clear that I was very uncomfortable at this point, and that should have been enough to make any decent person go away, but he just grinned at me. Then he reached his hand up and grabbed the bottom branch of the tree as if to test it to see if it could hold him. I do believe that he may have been planning to climb up to me but the lowest branch was too flimsy and it just wasn't strong enough to hold a grown adult. And man, do I thank God for that. He soon realized this and gave up but I had seen enough at this point. I finally broke my silence and started to yell for someone to help and I just kept screaming and screaming. The man backed away a step or two from the tree and began to mumble and curse under his breath. He flailed his arms in the air in a rage and began making a motion like he was pushing an invisible person in front of him and eventually he turned and just sort of walked away, stumbling with each step. I don't think anybody heard my cries too because, well... Nobody ever came to help me. I stayed in that tree for what felt like hours because I just wasn't sure if he was really gone. I finally climbed down because the sun was beginning to set and I couldn't bear to be out there at night. I hit the ground and as soon as I did, I bolted back to my house, positive that he would pop out from a shadow and grab me at any moment. Thankfully, he never did. I made it home and told my parents what happened. My dad went out to look for him in the woods, but he never saw anybody. We stayed in that house for another two years, I think, before we moved across town to a bigger house, and I never played in those woods again for the rest of our time there. I still think about that man sometimes, too. Like, what would he have done if I would have come down at that point? I have no idea, truly, but... That question, it does keep me up some nights. About eight years ago, two buddies and I decided to spend the night camping at Palo Duro Canyon. We're from Amarillo, Texas, so it's less than like 20 miles away. This is the second largest canyon in the US next to the Grand Canyon, and while you may be wondering what kind of spooky stuff we may have run into as young kids of just 17 years of age, 
this isn't necessarily that kind of story. Instead, us three friends were some of the only around our age that we knew of that didn't indulge in partying. No drinking, getting stoned, nothing of that nature. So of course, we think a perfect getaway on a Friday night would be the canyon. But we didn't even own camping supplies to be honest. We just went to Walmart and bought some and headed out on a whim. We make the drive and get to the state park at around 5pm. We enter the gate and set off to find a spot to pitch a few tents. We pull into this camping site area that has two separate canopies with picnic tables and respective grills for cooking. And in the middle of both canopies, a fire pit. Nobody was there too, so we thought that it was the perfect place to set up camp. We brought some coolers with soda, some hot dogs and hamburgers to grill and a stereo to jam some tunes to while we just sort of hung out and enjoyed the last few hours of the daylight in the Texas summer heat. After we pitched our tents, a truck with a small camper RV moseyed on into the site. A man and a woman got out and surveyed the area. The man saw us and waved with that friendly Texan hospitality. We waved back, of course, and went on about our business. We ate dinner and the sun was starting to set. I think it was around this time, too, that I noticed that the man and the woman didn't pitch a tent and that they probably just intended on staying in their camper. We built a fire sat around it with some portable chairs we brought and I saw the man walking towards us. He introduced himself as Doug and said that he cooked a lot of extra food if we wanted any. We politely declined and told him that we'd already ate but we appreciate the offer. He said, hey, as long as you guys have eaten it's no big deal. He waved again and set back off to his camp. About an hour later he comes back with a brown paper bag and he comments on the music that we're listening to says how back in the 70s he went to all these festivals and basically just sort of rambles on about how it's awesome that we're so young and still keeping classic rock alive and stuff like that. He notices then too that my friends have guitars and actually yells over to his wife to come on over. At this point we really don't think anything weird of it. We just didn't know him or his wife and he was obviously drinking and just invited themselves into our space but... None of us had the spine to say anything to him about it, so we all just sort of sat around the fire trading stories, as much as three 17-year-old boys can with a couple of probably in their late 50s or early 60s maybe. After what seemed like a, a lifetime of, well, making up stories with these people we don't know, he starts trying to get to know us on a more personal level. Super polite, but obviously a little drunk. He asks us if we have jobs or if we're in school and we'll reply. He says that he works at a United supermarket as a stocker and has for the last 15 years. Basically says that if any of us need a job at any time that if we put him as a reference he could get us on. He says his full name for us to reference just in case any one of us wants to apply. This is important later as well. And anyways, finally the wife starts nodding off. All liquored and bundled up, she fell asleep on a chair. Luckily, that was the cue for Doug to get her back to camp and put her to bed. When they walk off back to their site, the three of us sort of look at each other and eye-rolled because we're all just sort of doormats and basically let this stranger come ruin our night. We see that it's close to midnight, so we decided to put out the fire and get ready for bed. Doug trots back over to our site he asks us if we're here all weekend or not. 
We told him that we only had enough money to stay for the one night and that we'd be heading back to town in the morning. He said that he really enjoyed the company and that he'd personally pay for us to stay another night if we wanted to. We sort of politely declined this offer and he started back off to his RV. He quickly turns back around though and says, Remember guys, if any of you need a job, just call up to United Gem on Lake Road and tell them that Doug sent you. We smiled and said thanks and he left for good that time. That night actually got considerably cold too and in the end we decided to pack up and head back to our warm beds in town at around 4 in the morning. As we were leaving the canyon, we almost hit a deer and veered off the road. Everyone was okay, but we were definitely shocked because it was so late and we'd basically gotten no sleep at that point. And us almost hitting the deer was practically the climax of our trip to the canyon that weekend. And we all continued back to school on Monday like normal. Now, one of my friends that was with me on the camping trip was actually in my third period class on Monday... And we started talking about how that guy Doug and his wife were pretty cool despite not taking the hint that we didn't care to hang out with them. At some point I asked my buddy if he could remember Doug's last name and somehow he did so for some reason I just googled him. And that was a huge mistake. Because guess who was a 10 times over registered sex offender and you can probably guess the ages of his victims. Yeah it was him. Doug. This rocked our world completely. We had somehow, some way, just barely escaped the clutches of this monster. And what would have happened to us if we had taken his offer to stay another night? I was so suspicious of this dude as well and just couldn't get the scenario off my mind that I decided to call the United Supermarket to tell the manager that one of his employees was being really creepy to us kids and that he might want to be wary of the people that he hires. And guess what? Nobody by Doug's name has ever worked for the United. He had completely pulled the wool over all of our eyes all night long, trying to get us drunk to do God knows what to us innocent kids. I guess the lesson for us that night was be careful of who you talk to. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Before I get into this story, I just want to preface by saying that I 100% believe in the paranormal and think that it's definitely what's going on here. My only question is, 
Why is it happening? I'm only 20 years old. I still live at home. My family built this house 15 years ago, the first and only family to live in it, so nobody has died within the physical house ever. We live in the Midwest, so that may say something about the land that the house is built on, but I just honestly couldn't say. But pretty much ever since I was a kid and we moved into this house, I've experienced strange occurrences that I can only attribute to being paranormal. My older brother recalls a couple of experiences of his own too, but we're the only two in the house that seriously believe that they are paranormal occurrences. The earliest that I can remember was in the late 2000s, waking up in the middle of the night seeing what looked like Aztec warriors doing some sort of a dance at the end of my bed. I wouldn't say it was sleep paralysis though, because I could sit up and move my arms and legs, and this went on for about 15 to 20 seconds before... I blinked and everything stopped. When I moved into another room on the ground floor, there were multiple times that I would wake up in the middle of the night to hear harmonica music coming from the living room. On one occasion, when I heard the music and I went down to see what it was, I found every light in the house was turned on. On this occasion, my brother also remembers waking up face down on the floor in his room in a, a sort of plank position with the lights on with no memory of getting down there. My latest encounter though, I was working on our computer in the downstairs living room. I was home alone at the time, the rest of the family was out of town, when I heard the door to our stairs to go upstairs shut. It startled me, obviously, knowing that I was supposed to be alone, so I called out who did that. After a couple of seconds, a weird airy voice that sounded like it was coming from all around me all of a sudden, said, I did. That was the first time that I had actually had any two-way contact with whatever it was messing around in the house, and being alone that night, I went and stayed at a friend's house. A little while ago though, I got a call from my brother who was alone at the house saying that he was laying in bed in his room watching TV with the door just barely cracked open. He said that he heard tapping on the door and apparently turned to see fingers tapping on the inside of the door as if someone was hiding on the other side grabbing the side of the door with their hand. When he got up to open the door to see who was doing it, the hand disappeared back outside of his room and he couldn't find anyone or anything in the house. Other small things happen pretty often too, like keys or wallets that you know were sitting on the end of the table suddenly go missing for about half an hour, then suddenly reappear exactly where you left them. We are honestly at a loss at this point. Usually with stuff like this, there's a bit of a pattern to the behavior, where it happens, what happens, but what we have witnessed just seems like the most random junk for absolutely no reason. Do any of you guys have any ideas about what all of this could be? So this is a little story from when I was growing up in northern Kentucky in the 90s. I would have been around 10 I think, maybe a little bit older, but I'm in my 30s now and I vividly remember this happening and I still think about it all the time. So my best friend lived with his grandparents for a bit on several acres of land in Walton, Kentucky and I spent almost every weekend there. 
They never really did much with the land. It remained relatively cleared, but there were no farms or structures on it. They had a horse stable near the house, but that was it. And my friend, he'd received a go-kart for his birthday, so we were out driving it around on the open land. It was just the two of us, and we were having a blast riding this thing around. It was getting pretty close to dusk, and we knew that we were going to have to pack it in pretty soon. We came to a stop, and the engine cut out, and almost at the same time, both of us had this really strange feeling come over us. We just felt like we were being watched by something. It's weird how our lizard brains can still even process something like this, but we both agreed that there was just this weird overbearing feeling. We hadn't heard his grandpa's truck and we were too far out to be seen from the house, so we started looking around. We were in an open field in the middle of their land and it was surrounded by trees and tall brush, but something caught my eye first and I got my friend to look in that direction. In the brush, we could see a, a long, almost black shape sitting very still. Now, I know at this point in the story, most of you are thinking Bigfoot. I can say that I just remember things being dead silent. Even now, I sometimes wonder if it was something else that we saw, but all I remember is thinking that it was a, a giant, and I mean huge, black wolf. I would guess that it was maybe 200 feet away from us, at trying my best to remember, and it was sitting perfectly still, like not even moving an inch. But to me anyway, it looked sort of furry. I couldn't make out any other features like ears or eyes though, but I swear this was what was making us feel watched. It was like when you see a cat getting ready to pounce. That was what it felt like we were looking at. We were both getting really spooked by this point, the sun was going down behind the tree line now and one of us was going to have to jump out and pull start the engine back up. We were whispering about it, what it was, what was watching us. Honestly, I forget which one of us jumped out to and started the cart back up, but when we looked back at where the black shape was, it was gone. The go-kart didn't have lights either, so we just drove as fast as we could back to his grandparents' house and we told them what we saw. His grandpa said that we probably just saw a coyote or maybe a boar or something, but this shape, man, was long and low and it was huge and, I don't know, a coyote just doesn't sit well in my head with what I saw. Not to mention, too, that it was like pitch black and furry, which was weird. Anyway, every few years I, I think about this story and I've read that there are no wolves in Kentucky anymore anyway. I think that I've just convinced myself that it was a coyote or something, but the memory is stuck in my head all this time for some reason. Nothing else ever happened on his grandparents' land aside from a really bad car accident a few years later and some missing chickens. Again, coyotes would explain all that. And every once in a while, the horses would get really riled up at night, but we would go camping on his land and fishing a lot, and we had a lot of fun around there and never saw anything ever again. Anyway, this is my short little spooky story and I wish it had a bit more to it, but it's 100% what happened. I found this place and thought that I would share this and, again, it may have been a run-in with a wolf, a coyote, a boar or who knows, maybe Bigfoot. But whatever it was, it was huge and 
it scared the daylight out of us. So, this just happened last night. My boyfriend, our husky, and I embarked upon our long holiday road trip to see our families earlier today. 14 hours of this trip takes place on a major US interstate highway. We were looking for places to make our last gas stop and found a place just off the highway. We pulled off and into the desolate gas station and immediately were greeted by a fairly large, somewhat sketchy man taking not-so-subtle glances in our direction. But we were both sort of joking that maybe we chose the wrong gas station and boy, we did. My boyfriend suggested that while he pumped the gas and run to the restroom that I take our dog and let him stretch his legs. But being a city girl, I know to always carry my mace and phone, especially at night, and so we diverged as I started to make my way towards the, the ill-lit side of the gas station and my boyfriend to the restroom. I made it not even 30 feet from my car and was approached by a, a small chihuahua, sort of mutt with a collar, who happily greeted our husky. I looked around for an owner while the two dogs got to know one another and continued to walk to a patch of grass with our new follower in tow. My first instinct was to help the dog and find the owner, but in the back of my mind, something just felt very off to be honest. It felt off since the moment that we pulled in, in fact. I immediately called my boyfriend and told him that I had found a dog and said, hey, I found a dog, but something is weird. He immediately abandoned his bathroom break and came out to meet me. While I'm standing with our dog and this dog who came seemingly out of nowhere, I felt eyes on me from the employees walking outside. My boyfriend expresses concern about the dog being loose so close to a major highway and further looked around for its possible owner. He approached one of the employees who was changing our trash liners right next to our car for some time now. He asked the employee if he had any idea whose dog this was. In perfect English, he replied, I don't speak English, and anxiously turned around to only continue to go through the motions of changing out a trash liner that he'd been standing at this whole time. He then continued to watch us chase around this dog until the dog led us behind the store or gas station. With my boyfriend five feet behind me, I followed the dog to the back of the store. And behind the store, a ten or so big rig truck sat largely in darkness, resting for the night. Cardboard boxes and broken wood pallets covered the dirt. A large man in a gas station uniform greeted me, staring through a glass door. With my boyfriend out of view, I bent down to check the dog's tag as the man continued to stare. My boyfriend approached, and that's when the man behind the glass door's demeanor completely changed. Almost dejectedly, he opened the glass door. I quickly asked, Do you know whose dog this is? Nervously, he fumbled his words and replied, Yeah, uh, that's my dog. Well, we both exhaled and exchanged a look as if to say something about that was really weird. We made our way back to the car and my boyfriend remembered that he still had to use the bathroom, so I settled back into our locked car and when my boyfriend got back to the car, he told me the same man that we talked to at the back of the store followed him to the bathroom and stood behind him, just watching. I think that's when we realized just how creepy and surreal the last 15 minutes had been. 
As we drove away, we discussed the strange and creepy series of events, how the whole thing felt staged or set up. I mean, why did the employee act like he didn't know the dog when it belonged to his co-worker? We immediately googled the small town we had stopped in and discovered that apparently it has been a hotspot for human trafficking and in recent months as much as 60 people had been arrested. Was this just a string of eerie coincidences or was there something way more sinister going on here? I've thought my house has been haunted for a long time now, but recently it's been getting to me a lot more. I've had a, a few experiences. Normally they'd be pretty big ones, but always happened few and far between. My family lives on an old farm, 15 and a half acres, pretty big with forests and a very nice place with three main barns. One is the red barn and we built half of it into an actual house and still use part of it for sheep. It's the newest barn on the area. The black barn is very old and worn down. We keep extra wood and stuff in there. And lastly, there's the house barn. The house barn is the oldest, over 500 years old I think, and when it was built it used absolutely no nails. So the first encounter I had a few years ago... It was pretty late and I was about to go to sleep from watching a movie, I think. I looked over onto the other couch across from me for the controller and just sort of watched it turn from being horizontal to vertical and face me. It moved incredibly slowly and just, it was really odd. Nothing I can really think of that was a large event happened before what I think is the biggest one that I've had. But I'd been trying to sleep, only my mum was home and I knew that she hadn't left her room when I hear someone try to open my door, like they'd been rattling with the doorknob. My door wasn't shut properly or locked and was easily able to be pushed open. Then, in my mum's voice and perfectly monotone, I hear, help, help me. That's what really got to me too and suddenly it just stopped. I hear heavy footsteps walk around, lights turn on after I know that I'd left them off. The dogs began barking at nothing and getting bad vibes or suddenly getting super cold in one area. With the history of our farm, I'd have to assume that maybe it's an Amish spirit who died working on the barn or something. But I also have neighbors just down our old gravel road who I happen to be friends with one of the kids there. And their older sister is apparently an occultist and has done many spells in their house. And recently, she apparently let something loose. My main worry is that this could be evil or a type of mimic as it seems to be attached to my mum who's heard her name be called throughout the house when she's alone or in bed. And no one who lives at my house calls her by her name. Well, we just say mum, obviously. I've heard many coyotes almost right outside of my window too, yet the dogs never bark at that, which makes me think they might be scared of it. I don't know, but I would like to figure it out and see if there's even one spirit here or any at all. I'm pretty paranoid about these sort of things and don't want anything to happen and would be very open to suggestions as to how to move forward from here.
So every morning I drive over to Stone Mountain from Atlanta for a jog around the five mile loop as a bit of a warm up. Then I would sprint up the mountain once or twice to finish off. There was only one rocky part of the mountain cleared for going up and down and it was the less steep side of the mountain, near the main entrance that is. That time in the morning there was either nobody else or there was maybe like one other person. But one morning, I'd been on the loop and was about a mile or two in, but this was one loop with a mountain in the middle and there was no shortcut or alternate way back, and a white van with no windows drives by kind of slow. I took note of that, of course, but keep going as it was my only option. A mile later, the van comes back around from behind again and I started to get seriously alerted because I hadn't seen anybody else out there at that point and I was pretty well out in the middle of nowhere. The van drives past and disappears around the curve but then comes around towards me even slower. I was good and scared at that point and started to run a good bit faster and tried to make myself look tough and menacing as I ran. The van kept going past without stopping so I tried to talk myself into just uh, it being a maintenance worker or something and thanked my lucky stars that everything was okay. Well, it wasn't okay and about a minute later the van had turned around and came back up behind me again and pulled up just ahead of me and stopped as I was running towards it. I was trying to quickly figure out what the heck to do and had to come to a stop when I saw the back doors of the van fly open towards me. I knew that I couldn't outrun a van in either direction so I immediately decided my only option was to sprint up the mountain as fast as I could and hope to outrun them. But being so used to running up the mountain daily and seeing how easily I blew past other people not used to going up it every day, I figured that I had a good shot at outrunning just about anybody. So I busted my butt up the rocky, woody, thick brushed mountain as fast as I could. This person took after me but I did not look back once. It was really hard, there was no clear path and I had to dodge stuff and run in jagged directions to get away. I heard him behind me for what seemed like about maybe a minute and then I, I didn't hear anything after that. I still didn't look back, just kept busting upwards as fast as I could. I got to the top, checked my scrapes and caught my breath before rushing back down the cleared path and back to my car. I never saw anyone else or the van after that, although I was scared to death and on high alert until I got into my car. There was a welcome center down near the entrance but at that time it just wasn't open. This was before cell phones as well so I got in my car as fast as I could and I headed back home feeling so lucky and fortunate that I was able to get away that day. I didn't go back there in the mornings anymore after that and didn't go back for a while afterwards out of fear. But when I finally did start going back, I always took pepper spray and didn't start going out until later in the day when there were others out there as well. I have no idea what was up with that guy or what he was going to do to me or trying to do, but still, all these years later, I can't come up with anything feasible that wasn't likely to be seriously bad or, who knows, maybe would have ended my life. Also, he never said anything, he just chased me. I did call the police when I got home and told them what happened, and they just took a note of what I reported, and that was it. After that, I 
never heard anything else. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.